Colossians, the Bible says here, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That means God has were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, he has now reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Amen. Let's let's pray today that the peace of God will just settle over this. By the way, we have a lot of people in our camp meeting. They're camping today at Cooper Lake. So we're going to worship like the place was filled, though. Amen. <laughs> so let's just, let's just pray the Holy Spirit would just fill this place and those even at the campsite. Father, we thank you for your great love. Lord, we're so excited, and we come with a sense of expectancy today. We know, Lord, that you have made a way for us, Lord, to stand in your presence with clean hands and a pure heart. Father, you have just baptized us with your great love. Father, you've given us hope and faith today. And, Lord, because of that, Lord, you have elevated us and raised us and seated us with you together in heavenly places. Therefore, perfect love has cast out all fear. We have no reason to fear. We have no reason. Flyers out, and uh, we're kind of picking that up again this year. We're going to turn our fellowship hall into a place where we can use as an outreach to just connect with our with uh, our community here, and we just pray you can all give us some hand. We, we need some helpers to put some props together put our games together uh, for the night. It's the Halloween night. We call it our harvest party. So if you can remember that. Plus, we could use some more donations in the candy bucket back there. If you could bring some candy, we could use your help there as well. Amen. And we're going to go ahead and pray over the offering right now. Father, we thank you. We love you today, Lord. We just we give you thanks, Lord, for the provision and all that you're doing in our life. Lord, you're so amazing. We, you've blessed us with great jobs and promotions. And Father, we know that, that in the giving of our first fruits now, Lord, as we bring our tithe, as we give that which, Lord, you have blessed us with, we pray that it will be a seed, Lord, that will continue to extend the kingdom around the world, even in our own city. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to obey and to serve you, Lord, because we know it's not about the money. Lord, it's about you bringing us into an understanding of the greatness of your glory and opportunity for you to show yourself mighty on behalf of those who believe and trust you. Lord, we look to you today. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. As you give this morning, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, I'm going to go ahead and Switch my mic to my lapel. Is that okay? Okay, we're going to go ahead and switch. And I want you to take your Bibles with me for a few minutes this morning. 
And if you will turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, uh, Matthew chapter 12, I'm sorry. Testing, testing, testing. Okay, am I on? Am I on? I'm on. All right. Praise God. Well, let's open up with a word of prayer. Just a few things this morning. Then I'm going to let you go. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit and his presence and his influence in our life. We ask you in Jesus' name to anoint our ears, anoint our hearts. Father, we pray that our vision... Lord, we'll be impacted and empowered today. Lord, we would understand the weapons, the tools. Lord, the assignment you've given to us, Lord, as a church. Lord, to be salt and light in our world. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are living in the most exciting time. And Lord, we thank you for opportunity right now. This is our day. This is our time. This is our appointed season. And we give you praise. And everyone said... Amen. I want you to jump with me to Matthew chapter 12. And I want you to start, we're going to go back to a very familiar passage. The title of my message is Getting Free and Staying Free. Can you say that with me? Getting Free and Staying Free. Say it with me again. Getting Free and Staying Free. Now Jesus wants you free. Amen. Amen. Only free people are people that are powerful people. Now, here's, here's something that I want to announce to some of you that you may not even know. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. She just got free right there. Yeah. I want to tell you right now that some of you may not even realize that, but Jesus has already set you free. He's already set you free. He's paid for your freedom. He's been raised for your freedom. And He announces to you that you're already free. It's kind of like a man who's been sitting in a prison cell for a long time, and they have given him, amen, his papers, and they have now released him. They've opened up the prison doors for him to come out of prison, and now he says, you're free. But how many of you know it's possible, and we've all heard this term, where a person become institutionalized, and they actually, even though the prison doors are open, they actually stay in prison. Because they've become so used to being a prisoner. They don't know what it is to be free. They don't know how, what, what it's like to live in freedom. You know, one of the things I used to say, and I've said this, but I used to do prison ministry in Oregon. And one of the things that they said, which kind of was astonishing to me, they say that usually about 80% of most convicts that leave prison will return to prison. And you know why that is, folks? It's because many of them, when they're in prison, all they think about is getting out of prison. But they don't actually study on how to stay out of prison. All they know how to do is just to go back into trouble. And they go back into their old way of thinking and their old lifestyle. And because they have never renewed their mind, guess what happens? They fall back into old mindsets, into old habits, and guess what happens? They get in trouble, and they go back into prison again. So what we're talking about this morning is learning how to get free 
and how to stay free this morning. God wants you free because only free people are people that are happy. Only free people are people that are powerful. And if you're not free this morning, guess what? You're not a a very effective witness. If you're not free from fear, you're going to always be worried about Where's my next job? Where's my next paycheck? How am I going to make it? What's going to happen if this happens? See, God wants us free from fear. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, the Bible says that the key to the freedom of fear is perfect love. Everyone say perfect love. The Bible says in 1 John 4 that perfect love casts out what? Fear. Perfect love. So if you are afraid of anything today, it's because your heart, your mind has not been renewed with perfect love. Because perfect love is the foundation to your confidence. If you have no confidence in God, guess what? You're really winging it on your own. You are really trying to make life work. In fact, you are a kind of individual that's going to have a difficult time in prayer because you won't see any need for it. People that are bound by fear have a difficult time in prayer because they really don't believe prayer works. They don't meditate in the Word of God because they don't really believe the Word of God works. They really don't believe. They actually believe that they're kind of winging it, living their life in by themselves. They really don't know if God is with them or if he's even for them. And so much of the time, the devil will torment them. He will torment them with thoughts. These thoughts are unclean thoughts. These thoughts are thoughts that seek to bind you. They're persuasive thoughts. The thoughts about the past. The devil loves to bring up the past. God loves to bring up your future. God loves to bring up the fact of who you are and what you possess right now. Can you say amen? Amen. See, Jesus took care of, why isn't God helping me? Why am I going through these problems? See, those kind of questions come from people who don't know their God. They don't know who they are either. Now, in this passage, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus makes an astounding observation. He says this, When an unclean spirit, this is Matthew 12, 43, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest, and he finds none. He's talking and he's defining the unclean spirit here. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, then he says, I will return to my house. This is the spirit speaking. This unclean spirit. He says, I will go back to my house. Notice, he actually claims ownership in your life. I'm coming back to my house. I lived there before, but I was booted out. I was evicted. I'm going back to my house where I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Now, this here is a picture of deliverance. It is a picture of a man who has been set free. Notice what Jesus says. And notice it's the red. Jesus is saying it. The Bible says that the unclean spirit, he's been cast out, he's been evicted, but he comes back. In other words, this is a picture of a man who got free, but he didn't stay free. Jesus is trying to say something to us. 
that it's not enough to get free. There is a responsibility to stay free. Can you say amen? I need to understand this. Unclean spirits are going to come back. Now, there's nothing to be afraid of here. Jesus is saying this. They're going to come back. And when they come back, what he's looking for and what he's attracted to, listen to me, he's attracted to empty houses. He's attracted to empty rooms. Everyone say empty rooms. The devil loves an empty house. He comes back even though the house is swept, which speaks of the washing and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And the house is in order, which speaks of a man's life who has been brought into alignment with his Heavenly Father. In other words, you can be in alignment with your Heavenly Father. Your life can be washed and cleansed from the the, the defiling power of sin. But because you're still empty, empty people, empty rooms, empty houses, what does it mean to be empty? Empty means that I'm not filled. Empty means that I have taken a casual approach to filling my house. Empty houses are vulnerable houses. Empty houses, empty rooms are rooms that are attractive to unclean spirits because they feel they have the right to come back because there's no one guarding the door. There's no one there to re-evict them. Why does the devil come back into the house? Because the person who evicted them is not living there. In other words, uh, if I don't maintain, if I don't keep my walk with God, if I don't keep the rooms of my house filled, guess what? Man, I'm going to be under attack. My wife and I, years ago, when we first bought our first home on Fuller Road, we we were married two and a half years, and we were so glad. We, we bought a house that was uh, from an elderly woman, and the house happened to be vacant when we moved in it. Carol and I, we had saved up $8,000 as a down payment to put on our first home that we bought. And when we bought this house, Carol and I, we were so excited. Carol was pregnant at that time with our firstborn son, Jared, and she was about six, seven, eight months pregnant, about ready to give birth to Jared at that time. Well, we moved in our first house, and it was a very tiny house, very small house. And the first night we were there, wow, did we realize we were not alone. We had squirrels and raccoons under the crawl space, and in the attic there were mice and rats in the wall, scratching, scraping, everything I mean, I thought I was literally in a haunted house. And we couldn't sleep. We were so happy to be in our first house. But it was full of rodents. Full. And guess what? I mean, I declared war on those rodents. Because I was not going to stand for mice in my walls, raccoons in my basement, squirrels in my attic. I, I mean, I, I'll tell you, we went to, it wasn't Home Depot at the time, but we went to some store, and I mean, I, I filled a grocery cart with rat poison, rat traps, mouse traps. I mean, we, we got it all, and we started setting things. And we were catching them, but there was some that were really smart. And I'll tell you, I, I really believe some of those. They were almost semi-human. Some of them, they were too smart. 
But I mean, we declared war on those things. And I'll tell you, we, we, we realized that if, and not only that, it was so, so horrible. I mean, they'd come out and you'd see their little stuff they'd leave on the floor, their stuff, and we'd, we'd set traps. And it took us literally several months to exterminate those. But, but I'm, my point is, is that if you leave your rooms empty, guess what? Your house is going to become defiled. If what Jesus is saying is that just because you get free doesn't it mean you'll stay free? Jesus is saying that an unclean... What is an unclean spirit? We've talked about this the past couple of weeks. An unclean spirit is any spirit, first of all, that is in opposition to the Holy Spirit. Unclean spirits love people that have a casual approach, that are lazy concerning filling the house. If I have a casual, lazy approach, you are a sitting duck for an unclean spirit to come in and begin to set up his little nest in your mind, in your heart, in your marriage. And all of a sudden you find yourself because this is what unclean spirits love. Unclean spirits come with the power of suggestion. They come with the power of influence. And one of the things they do is they convince you. They're powerfully convincing. They come to convince you, you don't need to get all excited and press into God now. They convince you to be complacent. They convince you to relax your position. They convince you not to be vigilant or diligent. Unclean spirits are attracted to empty houses. Now what Jesus is talking about a house here, he's not talking about a literal house. He's using your body. He's using your thought life. He is using your relationship to bring a correlation or a connection to my life. I have many rooms in my house. I have a relationship with the Lord, my personal life. I have my financial life. I have my married life. I have my life with my children, my life with my church. But here Jesus is saying that the unclean spirit will come back and his access, his access into your life is if there are empty rooms. Everyone say empty rooms. I want you to, well, pastor, you kind of put a lot of fear in me. I'm not trying to put any fear in you at all. I want you to know that Jesus is talking about something demonic here. He's talking about people who have unguarded houses, unguarded rooms, rooms that are not holding guard to the attack of the enemy. I cannot tell you how many times I've talked as a pastor, as a Christian with people that have come under attack and guess what they do? They don't even think for one minute that the devil is attacking them. They just somehow, well, me and my husband aren't getting along. No, it's not you and your husband. You are under attack of the enemy. How many of you know what the devil wants to do? Kill, steal, and destroy. That's his avenue. But he has to find an empty house. What is an empty house? An empty house is an ignorant house. An ignorant house. A lazy house. A sloppy house. A com- an apathetic, lethargic house. Where we just take the things of God lightly. And all of a sudden, I find myself being assaulted and attacked on every level. That's why Jesus is saying this here. 
Now, I want you to jump over with me back in your verses of Scripture, same chapter, back into verse 35. Notice what it says. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his house brings forth evil things. I want to just announce to everybody this morning that Jesus Christ is what determines whether you're good or not. The Bible says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. If you've been saved, born again, you are a good man, you are a good woman. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's something good in you. Now I want you to say that there's something powerful in you. The Bible says you're good because of the treasure. Amen? You're good because of the treasure. And the treasure is what produces good things. How many of you want a good life? How many of you want a great life? I want a great life. I want a great church. I want a great life. I want great kids. I want a great family. The Bible says a good man out of the good treasure. Now, I want to give you some things. I want to talk about filling the house this morning. First of all, two things about filling the house. Number one, we need to take inventory. Everyone say take inventory. I need to find out what's my house like. Is someone guarding the house? How many here own a home? How many here are renting a home? Okay, how many here have a home or renting a home and you do not have any kind of security or deadbolts or padlocks under your How many here have a home with no locks or on your doors or windows? Anybody here? I'm going to pray for you really quickly. Why do you have locks in your doors? Why do you have padlocks or deadlocks? Why do you have security cameras in your, in your house, around your house? Why would you do that? Keep the bad people out, but why else? We know that we live in an environment where there are people that will take advantage of you. How many of you know that a thief or a murderer, they usually don't care about you or your stuff. They will take advantage of you. They will do everything they can to rip you off. What Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come that you might have life. I need to, first of all, in order to fill my house, I need to take inventory about my life. I need to ask myself, what are, what are the things in my life that I value? What do I value? You may say, well, Pastor, why, why is that important? First of all, you will never protect what you do not value. Let me say it again. You will never protect what you do not value. And another thing, you will never have any value unless you do not make investments. I have to, the only way you can ever invest in something is as long as you value that. But if you don't value that, you won't protect it. I've had, I've, I've had many times, I'll, I'll ask a husband, I'll say, do you value your marriage? Oh, wait, of course, I, I, I work. I, that, that's good, I'm glad you work. But do you value your relationship? Well, yeah, I, you know, I take her out to dinner once in a while. Uh, you know, I give her a flower once in a while. So, but do you value the relationship? Do you believe that an unclean spirit can come in the form of a persuasion? Do you believe the devil would love to destroy your marriage? Well, I, I, I guess so. Do you, do you make any investment? Well, yeah, we go to Burgerville once in a while. 
Uh, we go to McDonald's. Well, that, that's an investment. Praise God. You're investing in her belly. Praise God. We've got to feed her. We've got to feed them too. But, but what, what do you invest? Because what you invest in determines what value you place on something. And what value you place on something will determine, amen, how much you're willing to protect it. Because you can't and you won't protect anything you do not value. Taking inventory means that I'm really assessing how much time. Do you know, I heard a study, this blew me away, that more people today will put more money into the wedding day rather than into their marriage relationship. I remember one time I talked to a woman. She was putting thousands of dollars into her wedding dress. I said, how much are you willing to invest into your relationship? And they kind of scoffed when we told them that there's a book we're looking at It's going to cost you $30. Man, they wouldn't even spend 30 bucks on a book that would help them understand the value of relationships. But she was willing to put thousands of dollars into a wedding dress for a wedding day that was going to come and go. How many of you know that's kind of screwed up the value system there? We need to understand that if I'm going to protect my house and fill my house, I need to ask myself, what do I value? What do I value? Are you following me this morning? Are we, are we here this morning? Taking inventory means that I'm going, I need to ask myself, what do I value? What do I value? Because I will not protect what I do not value. And that, that's just a fact. You know, let me tell you something. Saying I love you means nothing unless you're willing to make an investment in the value of our relationship. Am I willing to invest in it? That means, I heard Mike Murdoch one time said, Mike Murdoch, he's a, he's a man on this, teaches on wisdom, powerful. He said one day he went out and he bought a book that was $80. And this one guy said, why would you ever spend $80 on any book at all? Mike Murdoch said to this young man, he says, because this man's life of over 50 years is written in, and I read this man's book in three hours cost $80, and this man's, all of the things he's gone through was put into a book form, and he says, all that he learned, I was able to read and gain in knowledge within three hours and learn from his mistakes, learn from the principles of the victory that he walked through. You see, knowledge will cost you something. Jump with me to Proverbs chapter 24. Notice what the Bible says we are to fill our rooms with. Are you following me this morning? Proverbs chapter 24, listen to what it says. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. Proverbs 24, verse 3 says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Everyone say the rooms. Are filled with precious and pleasant riches. How many of you want your marriage to be pleasant and precious? 
How many of you want your marriage to be rich? I'm not talking about natural riches. I'm talking about rich with peace. How about rich with hope? How many of you want the atmosphere in your home to be rich with affirmation and life and love? I, I love coming into a home where there's a lots of love. Man, I, I love coming to James and Claire's home. There's such love in that house. And John and Kathy's house. Such love and affirmation. David and Kim's house. Amen. Dwight, Gay. Such house of love. Amen. Tony Laville and Joanne. Such house and love and lots of trains too. Praise God. <laughs> By the way, folks, I've got to tell you this. He's, this man has corrupted me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tony, I love this guy. He's my friend. He's got me into trains. And I'll tell you, he's taken me to new levels in the Lord. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's an awesome guy. And, uh, but p- p- please, Tony, <laughs> he's going to check, throw something at me here. But, uh, no, we, we've had fun. But we just love being with people like you guys. You, you've been so, been so full of life and so full of grace and so full of the, the love of God. And it's because the foundation has been filled with pleasant and precious riches. And how does that happen? What are we doing? We've taken inventory. We're filling the rooms with the knowledge, the Bible says here in Proverbs. Man, I lost my place. Proverbs, let me go back to there and read the rest of it. Powerful text. He says, filled with pleasant, pleasant riches. Then it says this, verse 5. A wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel... You will wage your own war. And in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. But notice verse 7. Wisdom is too high for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gates. What he's saying here is a fool will not pursue wisdom. The Bible says a fool will not pursue wisdom. They will not seek out wisdom. They won't build their house. Let me tell you something, folks. I used to be a builder. I used to be a carpenter. I used to build homes, remodel homes years ago. In fact, I still am a carpenter. I still work around here at the church all the time. In fact, I've even done some remodel work for you guys (laughs) a few times. But one thing I know about being a builder, you never build unless you have a blueprint. You never chance it. You don't wing it. Can you imagine doing an addition to your house and some carpenter comes to you and say, uh, we don't need a blueprint. We're just kind of kind of go as we go. You'd say, wait a minute. I want to know how you're building this and what kind of code compliance you're going to go with. And is there going to be any kind of, are you going to build this right? Are you going to build it legal? How many of you would like to have a, an addition to your house and make sure it doesn't burn down when it's all done? I want to tell you something. Sometimes, I I remember when I did this addition to my house, I hired a a gentleman, and many of you know his name is Alan Brown. He's an excellent concrete guy. But you know something about Alan? He does his work well, and he does it right, but he's not the cheapest. Alan Brown charges more money than most concrete guys. But you know what? His foundations don't crack. His foundations. He builds piers that go down to bedrock. I like guys like that. It's going to cost you. 
If you want to fill the rooms, it's going to cost you. There is no relationship, there is no marriage that will last or stand unless you fill the rooms with knowledge. Good preaching, Pastor Ray Gallagher. What are you saying, Pastor Ray? Well, what Jesus is saying here is that the, the, the reason the unclean spirit got its foothold back into the house and to begin to torment it and destroy it and fill it with lies where they begin to believe those lies is because there was ignorance and no one was guarding the door. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that someone's guarding the door. I think, how many of you hearing what I'm saying this morning? If I'm going to fill the house, I need to take inventory. The second thing, I need to determine the value. Number three, everyone say this word, transformation. I know going through what you're going through is because I am 